podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Bosco's boys are back and we're going rogue. This is an unsponsored show, so there's no, uh, you know, dick pills. There's no uh, shaving. There's none of it. It is just me and maybe the single greatest recruiting analyst ever to live. Definitely the best one to ever be associated covering K-State recruiting. He is, for my money, the most attractive guy over at the rival site covering K-State. You know him. You love him. K-State Online. If you're not subscribed over there, well, you probably have to be a poor because I couldn't imagine having $99 to my name and not having a year-long subscription to their site. Yep, I said it. It's the man. It's the myth. It's the legend. Derek the Natural Young. D.Y., how are you doing on this beautiful Sunday to start the month of March? It's pretty good. That, that's probably the best plug we've ever gotten, so we'll probably have to hire you for that for that department. Hey, you know what? Currently an unsponsored show. If we want to get into an official agreement, uh, we can talk after this, but I love you guys and the work you guys do so much that I'll, uh, I'll keep giving singing your guys' praises for free, so... <laughs> Negotiating against myself, so what can I say? <laughs> I'm been known to do that as well. <laughs> well, uh, today we're mainly going to talk about uh, the big news that is Scotty Hazelton. Uh, Grant is having some uh, technical difficulties, he's having some issues today. So uh, maybe we'll we'll uh, give the listeners an extra show on Wednesday we'll, where we can get Grant's take on Scotty Hazelton, and maybe we'll talk about that uh, near-upset bid versus KU on Saturday. But if I have DY, I'm going to hit all things Scotty Hazelton today. Um, so first off, I need to ask you, what was your initial reaction when this came to be? Because if I remember correctly, uh, you either did a KSO Today or wrote an article about the entire staff somehow staying together uh, which is now a rarity in college football. And then maybe, a, you know, 24 hours later, the Scotty Hazelton news broke. So this obviously was a bit of a surprise to you. Oh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a surprise. And I think I did a podcast and wrote something about the entire staff staying intact. So that was basically outdated and inaccurate. Um, less than 24 hours later, uh, it was not something that I foresaw. And, you know, by, by all accounts, the the coaching carousel had stopped turning at that point, even though there was obviously an opening left up in East Lansing at Michigan state, but I just didn't, and I don't think there was any ties necessarily between, you know, Hazleton and Tucker or Hazleton and Michigan state, or for that matter, anyone in, in that school or coach Tucker. So I didn't think that it was necessarily a possibility. I thought if anyone was going to go rogue after my uh, articles t- discussing how they would stay in, stay intact it would probably be colorado that maybe hired someone away i thought that would probably have been more likely than the michigan state news so not only did it catch me off guard and surprise me i'm still a little um 
probably shocked that it happened more so with it being the school and not necessarily having any ties to any coaches that were already on the coaching staff. Well, definitely. And we'll touch on some possible names that have popped up a little bit later, but without diving into how you think it will shake out, uh, how confident are you in the defense being able to hold to their trajectory without Scotty Hazleton? Uh, The defense made a massive jump uh, year over year, at least from my uh, dumb fan eye test. And I think some of the numbers, especially third down defense, plays it out. So uh, you being the professional and super smart guy that you are, uh, what's your confidence level in the defense going forward without Scotty? I, I still think that the arrows pointed upward. You'd certainly rather keep Hazleton than not because, you know, of his pedigree and his success rate, not only at Kansas State, but at the schools he was employed by before the Wildcats. But I still, you know, have a semblance of uh, confidence that, that this is going to still be uh, a unit that takes additional steps forward. Some of that's because I think the culture has already kind of been set. The system has kind of already been set. And, and I think only improvement can happen when, when you get more familiar with the system that you are running. They were able to you know, put in more stuff week by week last year. It, they're still not the most familiar with it. Now you'll have another offseason uh, being, you know, acquainted with that system, which was pretty a stark contrast to what they had run prior. So I think despite losing a really bright defensive mind, of course, and Scotty Hazleton, who's probably going to end up being an NFL defensive coordinator at some point. I think that despite losing his brain, his, his trust that, and, and even the players' loyalty to him, the, the players did love him in, in the way that he did teach. I think that the just the mere fact that they're going to be, you know, exposed to this system for, you know, 12 more months. And I think the personnel on defense is just only going to get better. Um, maybe they don't make the same strides they would have had Hazleton, you know, remained employed at Kansas State. But I still think that it's not going to stunt their growth by any means. Yep, and since you are the uh, recruiting czar, the guru, the Dalai Lama of K-State football recruiting, as I might start calling you, uh, I know you've mentioned this on the site, you mentioned on your podcast, but for anyone who doesn't take in the crossover, they might be wondering, oh shit, there goes a defensive coordinator, recruiting had been trending up, Uh, Scotty Hazleton, he must have a beard, he must be an elite recruiter. Uh, that is not the case, correct? Uh, I think had he been more willing and active with it, he, he definitely has the personality and charisma to be an elite recruiter. I mean, just watch his interviews. Uh, he hates doing those too. But if you watch his interviews, uh, watch his media you know, uh, arrangements, and you just listen to him talk and the way he converses and the way he communicates, um, that's what he does with his players too. You can tell – that he has a knack and an elite, um, I want to say, instincts in terms of communicating and recruiting. I think if he wanted to be, he could be one of the best recruiters in the country. Uh, but that's just not something that he loves to do. And, and w- so he wasn't, I guess, as active or as uh, much of a participant in that department when it came to K-State's football effort efforts uh he likes to he's probably someone that likes to lock himself in a room and just watch film break it down and teach off the film and teach on the field and that's what he wants to do not not big for you know going into the living rooms and trying to convince a 16 year old and his parents that 
they should trust him. I mean, that those are two different skill sets, and he definitely loved using one more than the other. So to just put it bluntly, we probably are not going to see any major adverse effects in this 2021 class that is starting to come together, correct? Correct. I, I just don't think that he probably has the connections, relationships built like some of the other assistants where you like if he was Jalen Knowles, uh, you know, primary recruiter, then there would be something to worry about. But there's I, I can't think of a primary target where they don't have at least someone else already doing the same kind of work or already having the same kind of relationship. Obviously, they're in pretty good shape with linebacker Jermaine Hamilton Jordan out of Lincoln Prep in Kansas City. But uh, and he has a relationship with Scotty Hazleton because he's taken a couple visits to K-State and obviously they hit it off then. But Connor Riley, you know, is playing a large role in that recruitment as well. So once they can fill the vacancy, start building a relationship with the position coach, Connor Riley is going to, you know, be enough of a bridge that I just don't see it hurting, you know, with that particular recruitment or any that, you know, Hazleton may have been involved with even at, at any point. Yep, and I want to give a shout-out to Connor Riley on the off chance he is listening to this. I ran into him and his uh, two little daughters up on the concourse of uh, Bramlage Coliseum. He was taken in the game yesterday. Uh, that, that looks like a guy who is happy to be where he is. I have not seen too many football coaches out in the wild who seem to just have a uh, smile on his face quite like Connor Riley. So I'm, I'm really glad he is on the coaching staff. Yeah, there's a few, few called a few coaches at the game. I know Cordy. I saw Cordy Messingham and Colin Klein at courtside yesterday as well. Yep. So they're good guys, and uh, Coach Klein is actually in my section as well. I see him and Gene Taylor, and both those guys are very animated watching the game. It's uh, really cool to see how K State's administration and their coaching staff just is amongst the fans in moments like that. But, Animated we'll is probably oh. an understatement when it comes to Gene when he, as he watches games. I oh, remember, yeah. <laughs> remember when we saw him explode during the Big 12 tournament at the Sprint Center last year. Oh, man. He went into the tunnel. He was he was seething during yep. the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, no, I, I'm i a I'm a big Gene guy, and uh, that's also probably why uh, I – uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll call it like it is. I, I defend him and kind of the decisions made by the athletic department more than probably a casual fan might do, which kind of brings me into my statement. I haven't caught uh, this much heat on Twitter for saying something, which is ironic based on some of the stuff I say uh, than what I did when I expressed my comments when Scott, Scotty Hazleton, it became official. I tweeted out, that when you are going up against an athletic department that is bringing in between 15 and $20 million more TV revenue and has the donor support that is above and beyond what K-State's donors are either willing or able to do, you're not going to win a bidding war for a guy like Scotty Hazleton. Um, so on that level, and I've heard you talk about it, and I feel like you're a very even-keeled person because you came from outside the K-State bubble, um, what would you say to fans who are clamoring and saying you can't lose a guy like Scotty Hazleton? Why aren't we paying him $1.2 million or whatever uh, Michigan State is to keep him here? Um, because they might not listen to me because I'm, you know, I've been in the bubble. I'm just a fan, but maybe they'll listen to you. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the just not the TV money. Just the revenue in general is different. I mean, just because Michigan State's, you know, can afford a $1.2 million coach or whatever Scotty Hazleton may make, doesn't mean Kansas State can because Michigan State makes more money than K-State. It just comes down to that. I, I know people see these buildings go up on campus and they just assume Kansas State has all that money. That money's not anywhere tied to revenue that K-State's making. In fact, some some – of the Kansas State's athletic budget has to go towards the university now, and they have to subsidize other things, which it makes it a little bit more complicated. But at the end of the day, Michigan State just has a lot more donor money to throw around to the point where they just don't have to throw it at facilities. I mean, Kansas State has to catch up in facilities, and that's what they are doing now, and they have barely enough money to do that. So that they can't use that, even go back to the donors even more. It's, it's just a tough day. Michigan State. And other schools, for example, are just going to have more money. They make more money. The Big, the big Ten schools, I think, in, uh, in this upcoming year, just for just a comparison's sake to, to show you where the money difference is, they are almost, by next year, projected to make twice as much as any other Big 12 school, tele- just in television revenue. And that doesn't come down to attendance or anything else that goes into revenue, which they will make more of, too, because they've obviously more people to come to their games and, and things of that nature. So it's just unreal. And it's, it is an unfortunate part of college athletics that the wealth is that different and, and you're not, there isn't a level playing field. It's kind of like almost a professional league when it comes to that, when it goes to big markets, the small markets and, you know, obviously some school, some professional teams can afford players that other professional teams cannot. Unfortunately, there's an, element to of, of that in college athletics now because there are some schools making so much more money that they can really pay two three times as much as some other power and this is just in power five obviously so and obviously the bridge and the gap is even wider when you get out of the power five um group as well so it's just it's tough i mean i think kansas state in terms of revenue was they brought in the third least money of any power five uh program this past year and that wasn't just and wasn't because you know they didn't sell out games or anything of that nature i think they i mean i think attendance was was pretty high last year both in football and basketball so i don't think it's just that i just think it's you know the disadvantage that you have where you you just have less fans because you live in a less populated state there's just built-in disadvantages and now tackle the television revenue which is probably what has generated the gap to be even bigger in college athletics now. And obviously the, the, the television contract is probably also a result of populations. Cause obviously there's more people in more densely populated areas in the regions that are associated with the big 10 and the sec. So it's just, it's a discomforting fact, but I don't know how one can look at a big 10 school and see how much money they are making and look at Kansas state who is, in terms of revenue, a bottom of the Big 12 and think that they can pay similar. It's just not that easy. And then on top of that, because I had heard some encouraging news uh, this weekend, it sounds like they're truly working towards adding some more uh, either recruiting support staff, some analysts, uh, whether it be special teams, offense and defense. Um, If you basically took any extra money that you might have, to fill these positions, which are grossly needed to compete, just to have the head count, all of a sudden, if you're going all out to keep Scotty Hazleton, the resulting races that would have to have probably for Courtney Messingham 
and Coach Kleiman, then all of a sudden you're looking at maybe another two years without the extra headcount that this staff desperately needs to get where fans, I think, want them to be. Absolutely. And, of course, they and they need that, those recruiting department staffers and other st- support staffers just as badly as they need Scotty Hazelton. So can you find someone that can provide you the same results that Scotty Hazelton got you for uh, for you know something that you can afford, or do you pay Scotty Hazelton even more and don't have those other staffers? Those are the types of decisions that an athletic department like Kansas State is forced to make. Obviously, they probably thought, hey, we hired Chris Kleiman because we think he's a heck of a football coach. He hired Scotty Hazelton. He could probably go hire someone else that can pr- provide similar results, and we could still get these extra athletic. Uh, or extra recruiting department staffers and extra support staffers. And by the way, it's not like they just refused or had no interest in trying to compete with other schools when it came to Scotty Hazleton. I have a pretty good authority that he had already gotten a raise this offseason, even though it was yet um, to be announced, just because they had to fight off you know, two schools already for him that were within the Power Five, Washington State and I believe Mississippi State. But that one, I'll admit, less confirmed on my end. Washington State definitely came in with an offer. But again, Kansas State was able to defend off those two. But if you look at revenues, you know, Power 5 teams would make. Mississippi State and Washington State are in the same ballpark as Kansas State. That's why they were able to compete with those two schools. Michigan State's like in the top 20 or top 25. Tougher to compete with. But And another thing is, not only did Hazleton get raises, I think everyone on the staff is getting some, getting some sort of bump in pay this offseason. So they've already invested a little bit. They just didn't have enough more to invest in the way that would have been required to keep Hazleton. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to tell fans what to expect, what, uh, what they should and shouldn't uh, be happy with. But if you're still, if you're able to hold off other power five schools, regardless of where they land, I think that needs to be something that you're happy and proud of K-State being able to do. And I think the worry becomes if you start seeing the quality assistance going to places like Washington State and Mississippi State, because at that point, I think you're in even deeper trouble uh, financially than what we've kind of already laid out for you. So um, we'll move on. I'm going to throw, I think I have close to 12 to 15 random names that people have DM'd me. I was going to play this game with Grant, but so I'm going to change the rules up a little bit. So I'm going to have you rank between 1 and 10 of random names that come to my DMs for this open spot. 10 being, hey, yeah, I think that is going to happen, uh, might have already happened, or hey, I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. One would be I should get a restraining order on whoever DMs me this <laughs> because they're a sociopath. So okay. that, that that's the range. The middle is however you want to do it. I kind of had it broken out. Um, the first five I'm, I'm going to list is three folks who it's like, okay, that sounds possible. That sounds like someone who could take this uh, defensive coordinator. The next two I think are crackpot ideas, and then there's a handful of ones that – I don't really have much of uh, bandwidth, but you're you're more plugged into this than me. So mm-hmm. the first name, and this is the one who I think is the leader in the clubhouse, and if I had to put my money on, I think this is the next defensive coordinator at K-State. It is in-house candidate, the safeties coach, Joe Klanderman. On a scale 1 to 10, how likely do you think it is he's the next defensive coordinator? And add anything you may be hearing on that front. Yeah, I'd probably go 9. 
um, just because I do think it's going to be an in-house candidate from everything that I have heard. And I, I think of the in-house options, he's probably the most likely. He makes the most sense in my mind. All right, the next one, and I think this is the fan favorite, one-time defensive coordinator, one-time All-Big 12 player. He's now the defensive coordinator, hasn't even gone through spring practice with Old Dominion. That is Blake Seiler. Yeah, it was probably more close to the one range, probably not all the way to one, but closer to that, just because I don't think the timing necessarily allows for this one. Um, one, I think that they're considering, obviously, strongly settling in on an internal option. And two, I don't know if the time works out for him because he kind of got away from Manhattan because an opportunity presented itself for a little bump in pay and to be closer you know, to his wife's family and They've only been able to do that now for a year. And I think the move to Old Dominion actually got them closer to his wife's family. So um, it would take an offer that he couldn't refuse. And obviously at this point, we just talked about the financials. I don't know if Kansas State's in a place to offer someone something that they can't refuse at this point. All right. The next one was one that uh, you guys, I believe, have mentioned on your own podcast. Uh I'll be interested in your take on this. Uh, Jonathan DeWitt, I think he is, has the title of co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at North Carolina. He was someone who almost was a part of the original staff. Where would he fall on the scale? Yeah, they, I think he was really considered by Chris Kleiman the first time around for defensive coordinator. I think he got an interview. He worked under Scott Frost for several years at Nebraska, and I, and I think they all work together at Northern Iowa, if I can remember correctly in terms of his resume. And, I'm, and he might have been at UCF with Frost, too. Uh, he just got to North Carolina to work for Mac Brown. He's someone, I think, that's kind of gotten over a cancer diagnosis. They're kind of dealing with that, too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on Chris Kleiman's staff at some point, but I don't think now's the time either for on that front. Okay, the next two, these are the two that literally – the I crackpot would, ideas. Yeah. Huh? Well, and here and here's the thing. Full disclosure, uh, I had multiple. I would not have put either one of these guys if I didn't get two separate DMs from yeah. people who brought these names up. So the first one, and I think this is an uh, easy one to just say no to, Matt Entz, who is the North Dakota State head coach. There's no chance that's going to happen, correct? Yeah, yeah, you would think that a North Dakota State head coach is a lot of cachet now to where they probably – don't need to take this step. You see Craig Bull, by all means, you almost have to consider what he's done to success, even though it hasn't been an overwhelming one. And now Chris Klein after one year looking pretty good as well. So I don't know that he needs to take this step if he wants to continue to climb that ladder. And additionally, for Entz, you would have thought if he would have been open or really motivated or wanted to, he would have been on the staff to begin with. Yep, I agree with you. And this one, not as crazy, but it did kind of make me shake my head. But then uh, someone sent me a second one, and there was some two folks, I think, tried to bring this up on the message boards. That is Alabama analyst Charlie Strong. Is that just folks looking at a guy who has a defensive background, would be a name, and currently is in a position where it would seem that you could poach him if you really wanted to? Or could there be some sort of smoke there? It'd be fun if there was some smoke on that. I, I respect Charlie Strong as a head coach, or a, a just a coach in general. And he's a really good recruiter. That'd be that'd be fun to fun to entertain. But I have not heard a single thing ever in relation to Kansas State that would suggest that Charlie Strong 
would consider or that they're considering, you know, trying to, you know, make contact or, you know, convince him to come to Manhattan. And furthermore, because of things that transpired with him, you know, not, not negative or nefarious trans, trans, transcribed, but just leaving Texas, getting fired at Texas, they're, they probably still owe him money, I imagine. So whether he's the analyst at Alabama or an assistant at Kansas State, he's probably going to make the same amount of money because I imagine that uh, that Texas is probably just still paying him and it would be offset whatever you know else anyone else is paying him, kind of like what Kansas State was you know, going through with Andre Coleman and, and Charlie Dickey, I think, for a little bit. So I just, uh, you know, and if that's the case, obviously you could just kind of chill and be a, be an analyst at Alabama for a year and make the same amount of money or go to Kansas State and, you know, have a lot more responsibilities, have to have to travel and recruit and probably a little bit more pressure and still, you know, I don't know if it really makes sense for him to even make that decision if it were, you know, given to him. All right, so we'll give that a uh, 1.5 then. Yeah, yeah, 1. 1. 1.9. 1. 1.9, I like it. All right, uh, here are more names that, I, that I've come across. I think some of these made it to your podcast as well. These all seem more as names who I think would end up being, uh, you know, linebacker, positional coach type guys. Um, if any of them pop up and you say, no, I could see them getting the D.C. title, and there might be some realistic to that, uh, let me know. But otherwise, I'm going to work under the assumption that these would be fill-ins as a possession coach. And this is the one I heard most. This is the one in my group chat we've talked about. Uh, this is the one I heard a couple times on the concourse uh, at the K-State-KU game yesterday. That's Grant Olson, the North Dakota State linebackers coach. I assume it would be for a linebackers coach if Joe Klanderman were to get promoted, where would you rank uh, the likelihood of that between one and ten? Yeah, it's more linebacker coach, and that's probably on the higher side, you know, above five, not a ten, you know, between those numbers, six, seven, eight, probably in in that ballpark, just because someone has coached the position, makes sense, would fit from that standpoint, you know, would also fit from knowing what the the system is, knowing what the culture is. Uh, knowing the head coach, knowing, you know, possibly the future defensive coordinator. Um, so just the familiarity, having done it before, them having trusted him before, um, and being back in North Dakota State this past year, he kind of understands it, they gets it, and obviously they feel like they, they've been on the count on him, you know, multiple times. So he makes sense. He just he's, he's in that North Dakota State tree, so he makes sense. I don't know that he's going to be the guy, but – it's hard not to see him be considered at, at this point. All right. Another one I got in a group chat and a random DM. And I had to look up this guy. And uh, it seems to be like he has a bit of a reputation of a recruiter in the group of five conferences. That's Maurice Crum, the Western Kentucky linebackers coach. He does have a co-DC title. Is that a name that has come across your radar yet? or the folks I'm talking to just getting very creative. It hasn't come across my radar on any serious level. I think I saw someone throw his name out on our message board as well. It's just not a name that I've come across in any of my research or just talking to people yet. That's not to say that it's not going to happen because obviously he seems like someone that would fit, you know, if he wants to continue to climb that ladder, maybe, you know, get out of the group of five, 
you know, jump jump into the power five, even if, uh, you know, at a position coach level, that would make sense for him to want to do that. Now, I, we'll just have to see, you know, if there's any any reason for Kansas State to be interested in him. I haven't heard about that yet, but I wouldn't totally dismiss it, but it's not something that's really come across my table. Yep, I think this one made it into your podcast, and it was a similar type of answer. It's the DB coach at New Mexico State, Brian Bell, is that still just another one that is, you know, random people on the internet trying to find names that might make sense for the position, or has that come across the radar yet? No, that hasn't come across my radar either, other than, you know, us being presented with that question. It, I mean, I, I remember when, you know, when Matt asked that question on our podcast, he, he told Grant to talk a little bit so we could say, what you know, we're, why is this thing coming out of nowhere? We still really don't have any reason to believe that there's anything there. That's not to say that there isn't or there won't be. It just hasn't come across our radar or across our table just yet. Yep, and this one I think might have been one of the guys you said you're going to keep an eye on, uh, Jeremiah Johnson at Northern Iowa. So where where do things possibly stand with him? I don't know where they stand, but I would be surprised if he's not on the short list that Chris Kleiman considers for linebacker coach at some point. I think he did the first time around. I think this is a coach that Chris Kleiman has considered hiring before. He's coached with him at Northern Iowa. Um, he recruits Kansas City. That's not to say they really need another Kansas City recruiter. They got two pretty good ones already in Colin Klein and Connor Riley, so there's a little bit of overlappage there. And maybe that's something that they consider this at and say to themselves, you know, maybe we should consider someone else, even though we like him, he, he fits here and he would make it. Now, if they lost a, ever lost a coach that kind of has ties to, or that has any responsibilities in Kansas City, Jeremiah Johnson's name will probably pop back up. I'm not saying he won't be considered, but he's definitely high on my radar just because he's a linebacker coach that actually calls the defense right now, but even though it is at Northern Iowa. But I think if you're Kansas State and you're looking at the budget being what it is, of course, that we've already talked about, you're, even for a defensive coordinator, you're not going to be able to pick apart, pick away someone that's, you know, a sitting power five defensive coordinator. You're probably looking for the next young up and comer from either the group of five or the FCS. That's going to be a really good coach in the future that big schools want. And now you're going to swoop in and get now. I think in ways you have to do that at coordinator and probably at times position coaches. I mean, a lot, all these coaches start somewhere. I think Nick Saban started at Kent State and probably smaller before that. Everyone starts somewhere. For Kansas State, they probably need to be adept at identifying these guys a little bit earlier, even if they're going to grab them from lower levels if they're, you know, or if they're talented enough and quality enough to go grab. And I think Jeremiah Johnson probably fits that department, fits that category, or at least is viewed that way by some at Kansas State. They'll have to decide what, what kind of a fit he is, but I would be surprised if he's not considered because I think he already was at one point. If you're putting together, you know, Vegas favorites, who do you think would be higher likely to become the K-State? Grant Olson from North Dakota State or Johnson from Northern Iowa? Those would be my two favorites and I, over anyone that we've talked about for that linebacker job. It could totally be someone else. But because we're not obviously completely abreast of the entire searching process at this point, but those are the two names to me that make the most sense. So, so I don't know who, who I would say is the favorite out of those two. Maybe I lean towards Johnson since Olson just got back to North Dakota State and seemed to you know uh, to kind of be removed from that um, environment there for a little bit. But uh, I think for me, 
when it comes to linebacker coach, I think those are the two most likely. Now, it could be totally someone else. I'm not, I mean, there's probably eight to ten candidates that Klein is going to actually consider. Then he's going to make the list shorter going forward after that. Um, I mean, at one point we were all talking, you know, discussing, hey, do they go back to Jamar Kane? He worked for Klein in North Dakota State, too. Then he was just at Arizona State for a few years, and now he's the, you know, assistant coach at Oklahoma. Um, but obviously you're not going to get him as a defensive coordinator, but just an example that these names kind of come and go. And there is still a pretty good network for a climate when it comes to assistant coaches that I think fans should be comfortable with and trust. Yeah. Kane was my second to last name. Do you think that's something that they're going to kick the tires on? Or do you think, Hey, where he is in his career, isn't quite ready to be K-State's DC and he probably would want a little more than we'd be willing to give for a linebackers coach. Yeah, but he's never called a defense before. And here's what I think is going to happen. I th- I've already said, I do think Joe Klanerman's probably the next defensive coordinator at Kansas State. And the reason why I'm kind of like okay with it and would approve of it once continuity purposes, these more than half the roster, more than half that defense has had a defensive coordinator every year that they've been at Kansas State. So, even if it's going to be a new guy, how about a, how about the same system? So I think that's important. And someone that knows the terminology is going to teach it and coach it the same way. And, and Clayton's probably going to do that because Hazleton trusted him a ton anyway. I think probably quite a bit when he came to calling calling a game. And that's why Hazleton called Clayton his eyes and ears during games because he was the one up in the box. But another way to look at it is the, the kind of candidate and pool you're going to pick from when it comes to you know choosing your defensive coordinator is there really going to be, you know, an external option that has a much more significant resume than Joe Klanerman? I, I don't think so. I think anyone that you can maybe convince to come to Manhattan that's somewhere else right now, his his resume is not going to be – now, it may have more years, but it's not going to be all that different to Joe Klanerman. Klanerman, I realized, was at North Dakota State and not, not the, you know, the FBS level, but he was just an FBS position coach. I think everyone else that you're probably picking from to be, be a defense coordinator has probably only been a position coach. And if you like your guy and it helps with continuity and you trust him, his resume is not that substantially different than any outside candidate. That's why I think Clayton also, out, aside from just you know the inside information that I received, why I think it made more makes the most sense right now to just go with Clayton. Yep. And then the final name on I had on here, I had it in here for a shout out to Matt Hall. Kyle Emanuel, he seems to have brought his name up a couple times. Is Matt just trying to get an extra charger into uh, Manhattan, Kansas, or could that be something that does happen to be a linebacker coach? I mean, names like that, that, you know, come from North Dakota State and guys that want to be coaches are probably going to be candidates down the line. And maybe Kyle Emanuel is right now. It's something to keep an eye on. I mean, Kansas State had several players, you know, went on to do different things, came back as a coach. So, But the North Dakota State guys that come back and want to be coaches, you know, Clyman's going to try to set them up, I mean, hook them up with his coaching contacts or, you know, get them in on the ground floor with themselves. So at some point, you're probably going to hear names like that. I don't know that it's going to be this time, though. All right, and those are all the names I have. Before I ask you to make a March 1st way-too-early prediction on how it shakes out, you've already hinted at where you'll go. Are there any other names fans should be looking up on Wikipedia uh, to maybe be the next linebackers coach? Nothing has come across my desk yet. Um, obviously, got my ear to the 
ground and trying to figure it out. Uh, they're they're pretty good at kind of getting through their coaches without it being totally public knowledge or being broken by someone else. So they might be able to sneak it through without anyone uncovering it. But, but uh, there's no one else on my on my list that we haven't already discussed so far in this podcast that. And I'm still not confident anyone on my list is actually going to be the linebacker coach. So, but if you but if you had to put you know five five bucks on it, it sounds like you would say uh, your bet on March first would be Klanderman and uh, Johnson out of uh, Northern Iowa. If you had to make a prediction, yeah, I would probably roll the dice on that. That would probably be my call. Uh, it's more likely than not that it doesn't happen that way. But that, uh, but I feel good about Klanderman. I don't feel good about who the next linebacker coach will be at. All right. Well, I, I like it. I think uh, we'll probably hear maybe by the end of the week on Joey Klanderman being the next defensive coordinator. Is that the timing you've been hearing? Yeah. I, I, unless they don't have maybe the linebacker coach figured out, I wonder if they want to make that announcement together. That's, that seems to be what schools tend to want to do a lot of times. But they probably already know you know, the defensive coordinator, but I wonder if they wait to announce until they, they know what they have at linebacker coach. And, and maybe they want to wait and make sure that their strength and conditioning coach is going to stay as well. Yep, I was going to touch on that briefly. Uh, Chris Dawson, it sounds like he did interview for the Alabama job. It sounds like at least Twitter's making it seem like the Indiana strength and conditioning coach will be going to Alabama. Um, sounds like Chris Dawson might have also been talking to Oklahoma a little bit. Um, how long do you think it'll be before that is finalized? And are there any other schools besides Oklahoma and Alabama we should be looking at for Chris Dawson? Uh, I'm not I'm not the greatest uh, guy on the pulse when it comes to Chris Dawson. Admittedly, I think I discussed that in our last podcast. I know that he interviewed at Alabama. I know that despite not having a void, I know that he, there was some interest from Oklahoma and that he was probably talking to them a little bit, but because their their strength and conditioning coach was also interviewing for the Alabama job. Just depends on these dominoes fall because now Indiana's open as well. But it's supposed to be about a week before there's some certainty on Dawson. All right. Well, that sounds good. K-State fans, keep ear to the ground on that as well. Whoa, there you go. Um, That's all I had for today. I'm going to let you uh, tell anyone who may not be a subscriber at KSO or folks that are over at KSO, what to expect and look forward to this week. I think uh, it's something that you guys have done great, keeping fresh content uh, all basketball season with basketball content. You guys never stop with football, never stop with recruiting. And uh, usually I'll be getting ready for work in the morning at 6 a.m., and I feel like the first story of the day drops. So uh, what should folks be looking forward to on the site this week? You're right. I think 6 a.m. is usually what we try to drop that first story. So it's a good timing for you. Well, we're going to make some more trips for recruiting coverage. We're going to be in Denver. We leave early for Denver on Monday. So we'll have stuff on at least two more recruits there. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we'll go to Nebraska, hopefully at some point too, and see Donovan Williams. So tell your friends, I'm losing my voice. I think, Woo. Oh yeah. Well, no worries. Uh, I appreciate you uh, finishing off your voice with me today. Uh, folks, get over at KSO. Make sure uh, you're checking them out. Again, I, I know I made the uh, joke earlier, but for real, if you're uh, considering subscribing to any sort of sports coverage um, and you're a K-State fan, I couldn't imagine 
uh, spending money more wisely than being over at K-State Online. Also, I'll give you guys a plug. You're doing a daily podcast with, you know, between a 9 to 12 minute shot of K-State news every day, which I love as a ad or just podcast addicted person myself. So uh, you, Matt, and to do a great job over there. So folks, uh, make sure you listen to that as well. Uh, tell your friends all that jazz. And I think Grant is waiting for everyone to meet him at the cat head. So go tell Grant you say what's up as well. Uh, love you guys. And uh, we might be coming to you midweek and or not. We might just uh, see you after senior day. So until the next time, uh, have a good week, Boneheads. Sports Social Podcast Network.